Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Got my man, DeMond Cotton, back in the home studio, the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios. I'm at my home studio as there was another day of mandatory minicamp. One day up. One day in the books, had an opportunity to hear from head coach Josh McDaniels, heard from Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, Darren Waller, you'll hear from him in a little bit, and we were scheduled to talk to Jonathan Abram, and apparently he is not going to speak to the media today, so I think this is like the second time that John Abram was scheduled to speak with the media and did not, but uh, it was really cool to be out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, be able to see another day of football activities, and the beautiful thing about this week is it's mandatory minicamp, so we get to do not only today, not only tomorrow, but also Thursday, so we'll be out there every single day. We'll bring you all the coverage that we can. It's so funny. I get out there and get about one good video in, maybe two good pictures in, and then boom, that's when the that's when the, uh, the, the the period that you could take pictures and video is over with. So uh, you don't get a whole lot of video, but uh, we try to bring you as much as possible. Try to have a little bit of memory and see what we saw and and bring that back. And I'll tell you one of the things, one of the biggest things that stood out to me today from the OTA session. And I, I actually, Demond, you'll be proud of me. I went and invested in some uh, binoculars before I went over to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, as I said I would. I took uh, I took lessons uh, and a tip from my man Tashawn Reed from the Athletic, who he was the guy that was out there with the uh, binoculars from day one. And I thought, you know what, that's a pretty good idea. So I went and made the little twenty twenty five dollar investment this morning. Took it over there, and uh, I had them on site with me. So that was good. Now the bad part is, I left my backpack in the media center when I uh, left. So my twenty five dollar binoculars. My uh, computer, which we all know about my history with uh, with my backpack and my computer and my headphones, that's all sitting in the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center media room, but that's fine. Uh, my man Adam Hill said he'll take care of it. Cassie Soto said they take care of it as well. So uh, at some point I should get it back. But, yeah, just my luck, right? I go and get some binoculars, and then, of course, I leave them behind. That's just what I do. I didn't want to make the joke about, you know, previous backpack issues. Hey, man, like, jokes write themselves. Yeah, I, I know they do. So when, when did you realize that you forgot the backpack? As soon as I pulled up into the driveway, as soon as I pulled up, I realized because I was about what I was going to do. It's so funny you asked me that. I was going to email you the rundown for the show. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, what do I have to do the minute I walk in the house? I already had everything set up, uh, all my equipment here, so I didn't have to worry about, you know, setting up equipment, trying to rush to start the show. I said, I'll, I'll do that before I leave in the morning. So I did that. And, you know, it's funny. I thought about not taking my backpack. Because I thought, well, I'm probably not going to do a whole lot of work. I'll just be watching and, uh, you know, I'll take some notes on my phone or whatever like that. And I thought, no, you know what? There may be a little bit of downtime where I need my computer. have to respond to some emails, which I did. So there was that. And then all of a sudden I got to the, the house and I thought about turning right around and just going and getting it. And then I, I realized that, you know what? I could probably make it, but I'll be pushing it. So I just decided to chalk it up to an L and decided that uh, it's not going to happen. So, uh, Damon, I'm going to need you to make sure you uh, monitor the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R, because I cannot. So, you know, I I would like for uh, anyone to text in. I want to make sure that their comments or or whatever concerns gets on the show today as we go three hours long, three hours strong. But, uh, yeah, I do not have – 
all my stuff with me as I should, but hopefully in a little while uh, that'll get get delivered to me in some capacity or if I got to run out and, uh, and and catch up with someone to be able to get it. But I think Adam Hill, Cassie Soto, Vinny, one of the one of those those three will uh, will make sure I get it. So that's that's something to look forward to as you're laughing in the home studio. Well, I mean, you got all the hookups. Somebody at the RJ is going to come through for you. Yeah, there you go. Someone yeah. at the RJ is going to take good care of me, and I do appreciate them. But we're going to take good care of you on the show today for the next three hours. Our good buddy, Ed Graney, also from the Las Vegas Review-Journal and our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, he's going to join us at 2.30 to talk about what he saw on day one of mandatory minicamp. And one of the things that I said to Ed when I saw him, we were out there, uh, we were watching practice, I said, hey, I don't see Josh Jacobs. I got my binoculars out here. I don't see number 28 out there. So that was one of the things that, uh, I noticed right away there was a couple people uh, that were not in attendance or not I don't want to say in attendance that's wrong they were in attendance they just weren't out there on the practice field Josh Jacobs was one of them uh, head coach Josh McDaniels mentioned after uh, during our media session that he was there he was in the building he was just working inside so uh, I know a lot of people hit me up and said that was the first thing they said hey do you see uh, Josh Jacobs out there and I did not so uh, but according to head coach Josh McDaniels it was 100% attendance everybody was there again it's mandatory minicamp but uh, like I said according to the head coach everyone was there and the guys that we did not see out there on the field practicing they were still there they were just inside working so there you go so to, uh, kind of put that to rest as far as Josh Jacobs goes no concerns he was in the building now I don't know if he's dealing with the injury I don't know if they're just had him working off to the side I don't know what they had him doing obviously because we couldn't witness it but he was there at the building. So we'll talk to Ed Granny coming up at 2 30. Then John McClain we get him each and every Tuesday at three o'clock we'll talk to him and I hate to always bring up Deshaun Watson when John McClain's on because, you know, obviously he was from the Houston Chronicle, covered the Texans for a very long time like a glove and still covers the Texans. Deshaun Watson, the former Texan quarterback, well, there's another report out from the New York Times. And, you know, the New York Times, they like to drop these, uh, these bombshells, and sometimes they're, they are bombshells, sometimes they're really not. But this one, uh, it looks pretty bad, man. I mean, just from the, the outside looking in and just reading it, skimming through it like I did earlier today, and myself and Adam Hill were talking about it while we were in the media uh, room just waiting for another player to come, either Derek Carr or Darren Waller, and it just didn't sound good, man. It just really didn't sound good. Of course, this whole Deshaun Watson situation has been bad. Uh, we've had John McClain on many times where he said, hey, man, the Browns made a deal with the devil and they have to live with it now. But, I mean, this thing went up from 24 women to like 66 women that he's, he's um, got massages from to allegations that the Texans helped facilitate, facilitate some of these, uh, these meetups with some of these women and even asked them to sign NDAs. Uh, which basically means that they can't speak on it. So uh, I don't know, Damon. I know you checked it out because you asked me right away. Did you see it? Uh, what did you think when you uh, saw the piece from the New York Times on Deshaun Watson? Yeah, Jenny Verentes, that's who wrote the piece, and she's been on this like a glove, covering it since the inception of the story came out. So I'm, I'm taking her credibility in her reporting, and it all looks bad for Deshaun Watson. Or if you think about anything, someone gets a different massage from a different person, basically from a different person every week, for 17 months, that's already the red flag right there. That, man, why do you need so many massages? And then, like, the things maybe the Houston Texans helping facilitate some of this, getting him a room at a certain hotel in Houston. It just – it all looks bad. And the Texans, they look bad. But the Browns look even worse for not doing their research instead of, hey, we talked to him, we vetted him properly. And what was that? When you're eligible to play, are you still going to be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback? 
Right, right. Well, and that's that's unfortunately that's the nature of the beast. You know, we said it many times, and I don't remember who called in, and I don't even remember what show that I was listening to when they called in. Uh, I believe it was the morning tailgate. Maybe it was yesterday morning. They said, you know what, this whole situation with Deshaun Watson. You know, there's there's there was 22 women. Now there's 24 that are suing them. Even if one of them, even if one of them is telling the truth, just say the other 23 are, are just going along with the story. Even if one of them is telling the truth about how bad his behavior was in a massage setting, isn't that enough to say, hey, this dude's a bad dude? You know what I mean? Like, think about it. Like, we, we look at the number and it's like, whoa, 24. Wow, 66. Wow, that's so many numbers. But think about this. Think about if it was your sister. Think about if it was your girlfriend, your wife, your mother. Think about any of these situations and, and, and realize if it's just, if just one of these young ladies is telling the truth about this whole situation about what happened. Isn't that bad enough? It is, and also just maybe think about it if it was a male friend of yours, if it was just a number that wasn't so astronomical. Hey, five women, and if one of it's true, it'd be like, yo, yo, man, this isn't, this isn't a good look for you. Or like, hey, man, or if it's a coworker, yeah, I think my coworker's going to get fired because this is a bad <laughs> look for the company. Right, yeah, yeah, my coworker's got some issues. You know what I mean? So that's, and I, again, I don't remember who called in and said that, but I thought it was a really good point because sometimes we get caught up in the number of allegations and all that. But, man, if you think about it correctly, and if you're the Cleveland Browns, and, and again, you know, you go in, in into the NFL season and, you know, they have Breast Cancer Awareness Month. They have, you know, Black Lives Matter in the in the end zone and racism. I mean, they have all these causes that they, uh, you know, that they put up throughout the course of the season. And then they send this huge message, and I say they, I mean the Cleveland Browns, send this huge message to any woman that is a fan of the team, watches the team, knows anybody that plays for the team, anything, sends a message like, yeah, as long as this dude can play and throw a bunch of touchdown passes and score a bunch of touchdowns, we're going to go ahead and give him the highest paid contract in NFL history, guarantee the whole thing, and we're not going to worry about your allegations that you have going on, your civil suits that you got going on, because we talked to him and he said he's a good dude. And you know what's funny? As long as I was in Central Texas, Everything that we heard about Deshaun Watson was he's a fantastic dude. You know, and, and it's funny, John McClain, who joined us at 3 o'clock, will tell you, that dude was like the mayor of Houston. He could do no wrong as far as we knew. Now, I didn't know that he was going and being Dirt Diggler and he was doing all these different things at these massages. I didn't know that. Nobody knew that. But from the outside looking in, and that's why you got to be careful of who you look up to and who you say that, hey, that's my hero or that's, you know, this, that, and the other, because you just don't know the person, you know, and, and it's so funny. I learned this lesson. Uh, I really learned it firsthand when I was in Central Texas. Uh, I, you know, I had a guy that I really looked up to and, and really respected and thought he was a certain way, a certain type of person and was really going to help lead me into being a better on-air guy and, and being a better radio host and all this other stuff and had my best interest. And then we had a big blow up. And on his end, everything that he did and said towards me, it just was like, whoa. You know what I mean? Like, where did all that come from? And I told him straight up, like, hey, dude, I respect the hell out of you, but now it's just, it's different. You know, it's almost like when you're heroes, when you, you, you think you have a hero, and then you look up to them, and, and then you realize who they really are, and then you realize that you're not really a big fan of that person. <laughs> you know, and so that's, that's what happened to me. And so I really learned then that you got to be very, very careful with the people you look up to because what you see on the surface may not be really who they are. And this whole situation with Deshaun Watson, it stinks to high heaven, man. It is really, really a terrible situation. I don't know what the end result's going to be. I know John McClain's not going to know what the uh, end result's going to be when we talk to him at 3 o'clock. But, man, this just gets worse and worse and worse. And now it looks like it's bringing in the Houston Texans 
which is just another terrible sign. Not to mention what you got going on in Washington. Now what you got going on in Houston. I mean, there's so many different things going on. Look, hell, the Raiders, they got their own issues that, that the NFL is probably going to investigate. There's so many things going on off the field for the NFL. They're going to be glad when we get back to football activities and there's actually games to talk about. Because right now, man, they're in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. All right, Q, uh, we got a couple of texts if you want to get to them. All right, 69187, keyword R&R. What you got for me? Got one from Mailman Raider. Q, excluding D.C., if the Raiders had one player missing from the lineup for whatever reason, what one non-QB player makes the biggest impact in the game for missing their presence? I think I'd say Colton Miller, but this can go multiple ways. Um... That's a really good question. That's, That's a really good Raider. question. Okay, Mailman Raider, thank you for that. Hold on to that. We're going to continue to think about that. Hold on to that message. I'm going to have you uh, run that back again because i gotta, I got to think about that one for a quick minute. Uh, so now you know John McClain is going to join the show at 3 o'clock. Mike Haynes, the Hall of Famer, he's going to be a part of the show at 4 p.m. I had a chance to catch up with him on Saturday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. You heard the conversation with Lester Hayes on Monday. Well, today you will hear from the Hall of Famer, Mike Haynes. That's going to come up at 4 o'clock, uh, plus we're going to try to bring you matter of fact we are going to bring you uh, some sound from the Raiders presser earlier today you heard head coach Josh McDaniels and you heard quarterback Derek Carr on JT the Brick show as Harry Ruiz was filling in for him so we will get into Darren Waller but first let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive the opening drive of unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. All right, now I want you to go ahead and run back that question one more time. Damon, who's sitting in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio and the Sam and Ash text line is wide open like some old school TV antennas at 69187, keyword R&R. Before we hear from Darren Waller, I want to uh, hear that question one more time. All right, from Mailman Raider. Q, excluding D.C., if the Raiders had one player missing from the lineup for whatever reason, what one non-QB player makes the biggest impact in the game for their missing presence? I think I'd say Colton Miller, but this can go multiple ways. It really can be. It really can. And thank you, Mailman Raider, for that question. I thought that was fantastic, and I'd love to open it up, matter of fact, and uh, hear from you, Raider Nation, what you think about that. Who's the one player that could have been missing and could be missing from the game for the silver and black outside of Derek Carr that makes the biggest difference? Let us know about it, 69187, keyword R&R. Of course, uh, the Raider Nation listener line is 702-365-9200. And the reason it can go many different ways, Colton Miller is obviously a big one, left tackle. You can go Andre James. The center, I mean, you could really pick a lot of guys on the offensive line. You know, again, Alex Leatherwood lined up at right tackle today. I'll just go ahead and go on the limb. We haven't heard this directly from the coach, but I, um, I'll just go ahead and say that I think that he's getting every opportunity to be that right tackle, the starting right tackle for the Raiders. Now, look, it's June 7th. It doesn't mean that anything is set in stone. Nothing is set in stone. But I'll tell you right now, they are giving him every look at right tackle. It's no coincidence, and look, by the end of the three-day mandatory minicamp, we'll really know. I'll really feel confident on Thursday saying this, but the two OTAs that we were in session there, right tackle Alex Leatherwood. Today, right tackle Alex Leatherwood. I feel pretty good at saying that he's going to probably be that guy, or at least given the opportunity to get that job. So I would say that him missing, you know, him, the center, Andre James, or uh, Colton Miller, those are important guys. I'd say the guy that you're going to hear from, Darren Waller. I think Darren Waller is a big key to this cog. You know, I know a lot of people look at Devontae Adams and look at Hunter Renfro and think, ah, oh, if Waller's not there, they can still make this thing go. But could you imagine how this thing could go with the three-headed monster? Could you imagine that? That's why I think Darren Waller is so important, and I think that his contract situation needs to be taken care of. And this is, 
different from what I said months ago when I thought that, eh, he's got two years left on the deal. Go ahead and make sure you take care and lock up Hunter Renfro. But the more and more I think about it, you know, at the end of the season, if the Raiders wanted to, they could always franchise Hunter Renfro and take care of him. I think Darren Waller gives you the best opportunity to have an explosive offense and really dominate in the red zone. I think Darren Waller's presence is huge. I saw him out there today as I was looking through my binoculars, my $20 block binoculars. They, I mean, he was looking good. And, look, they're not going full speed. They're not popping pads. They're not doing any of that. But you want to talk about a dude who looks like he's in prime shape and looks like he has a real good opportunity. There's one thing I can take away from today's uh, mandatory minicamp that I feel very confident in saying. As D.C. completed a pass to Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, in that order, he's pretty comfortable with those three dudes. <laughs> He's pretty comfortable throwing the rock to those three dudes. All right? There was, I mean, back-to-back-to-back plays. And, and, I mean, it just looked, it looked smooth, smooth as silk. And it's only going to get better. So I would say Darren Waller be, would be a huge uh, miss if he wasn't out there. And defensively, there's got to be someone defensively. Well, I mean, Max Crosby or Chandler Jones. Both of those guys will be there. You know, both those guys have their contracts. There's nothing to worry about there. But those two dudes would be massive if they, uh, you know, if they weren't out there. Um, uh, let's think. Who else? Um, I'll probably say that's it. Defensively, that's probably it. You know, I, I mean, and that's not disrespecting anyone saying that the other guys, uh, you know, aren't that good. They are, but they haven't established themselves as just dominant dudes yet. Like Nate Hobbs, really good. Trayvon Merrick, I think he's really good. I think he has an opportunity to even be better. Trayvon Mullen, he's injured, so he's not out there right now anyway. Um, you know, Rocky Sin, thinking he's going to play a big role, but we don't know how big that's going to be and, and how good that's going to be. Uh, you can look at the linebacking core, look at Denzel Perriman, maybe Devon Diablo, who looks like he's dealing nursing with a little bit of an injury. From what it looked like from a distance and through my binoculars, it looked like he had a, a cast on his hand. So maybe he's dealing with some kind of wrist issue or a hand issue. That's what it looked like. But uh, Josh McDaniels did not speak on that. To Sean Reed asked him, hey, is Devon Diablo dealing with something? And his answer was yes. <laughs> that was his answer, yes. And Deshaun said, hey, I got to ask. He said, yeah, no, you're right. You got to ask. And, he, you know, he actually gave a pretty detailed answer after that. But he just said, yeah, he's dealing with some things. He had a red uh, jersey on. So that means that, hey, he's out here. He's participating. But he's not 100%. So don't, you know, don't put him in, in a position to fail. Uh, one other observation I had today uh, was every time, and I didn't get to ask this question, and I don't know if it was asked or not. And I know that sounds stupid because, like, well, weren't you in the media session? Somebody in the front row between Vinny and Hondo, but somebody was sitting in the middle between them, and I don't know who that was, so I, I can't say their name, and I apologize for that. He asked Derek Carr a question, and all I heard, and it was very low. Like, he didn't use his, you know, he didn't put no bass in his voice. He said it very low, and... All I heard was Derek Carr's response about, yeah, he's helping us out. You know, towards the end I could hear Derek Carr because he was directing it right at him, so he wasn't, he wasn't speaking real loud either. And I just heard at the very end it was something about, yeah, so he's here helping us out. I don't know, and my question was going to be, but I didn't get called on, I was going to ask about Jarrett Stidham. And the reason I was going to ask about Jarrett Stidham is because every single time one of the sessions ended, one, when you heard the, the horn blow and they went to another session, Derek Carr was talking to Jarrett Stidham, but it was more Jarrett Stidham talking to Derek Carr you could tell when somebody's in someone's ear and so my question was going to be how much has he been helping you learn this offense because remember Stidham's been in it three years he knows the offense now some of the terminology is not 100% the same as it was when they were in New England 
But I think that, and I've said this multiple times, that he's a guy that's going to help provide a little something-something to help everyone grow in this offense led by Josh McDaniels. And so what I was, what I was seeing as I was, again, looking through my $20 binoculars, I'm going to, hey, man, I got my money's worth today. <laughs> if I'm going to buy them, I'm going to use them. Go ahead and shout out the place you bought them at while you're at it. No, no, <laughs> okay. no, I'm not going to do that, man. I'm not going to give up my sources. <laughs> okay. But it's so funny. It's so funny. little side note. I, uh, Vinny was out there, and he said, oh, you went and got some binoculars? I said, yeah, man, I learned from Tashawn. I sure am going to get some. And he said, one tip, be careful when you're not using them. Be careful because they might get hot. Then you put them back up to your eyes, and it'll burn your eyes. And I said, yeah, that's the last thing I need, man. If I put some circles or some, some dark circles around my eyes. They're going to be like, damn, who let that raccoon up in here, man? <laughs> so I can't do that. I can't be doing that. But uh, I got my binoculars at $20 worth, and I'm telling you, I'm going to get every penny worth and then some. I'm going to wear them things out. So I did it today, and then I turned around and leave them at the damn facility. Of course I did, right? What a big dummy. But uh, that was something that I saw all the time. Every time I was looking at the quarterbacks and, 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 the, and Team A really on the farthest field away from us, and I saw Jarrett Stidham in Derek Carr's ear a lot and was able to notice that, you know, it looked like he was not coaching him up because Derek Carr is a veteran, but just kind of helping him get progressions, but just what, what's expected and some of the terminology. And it just looked like – those two guys were really leaning on each other. So I wanted to ask D.C. how much Jarrett Stidham has meant to uh, his growth even in this offense, but I never got that opportunity. So uh, at some point I will, uh, but, you know, and I can't tell. Like I said, I couldn't tell if that was a question that was already asked and I just didn't hear it, and his answer wasn't very detailed. But uh, there you go. So as far as answering Mailman Raiders' question, which I guess is where everything really started, I would say offensively um, I'm going to roll with Darren Waller as number one, and defensively, I'm going to roll with, oh, you know Max and Chandler are going to be there. Um, I'm going to roll with Denzel Perryman. How about that? I'm going to roll with Denzel Perryman uh, because he's uh, a vet. He's been there, done that, and he's got some kind of idea of what he's going to be doing. So th those are the two guys I'm going to be rolling with, but I, I honestly feel like defensively it would be obviously a much bigger impact if it was Chandler Jones or Max Crosby. I just – there's no scenario outside of injury that I don't see them not being there. Let's go ahead and go to the phone line real quick. 702-365-9200. I still got Darren Waller on the way, but uh, who's up Who's up first, Damon? We got Elliot on the line. Elliot! What's up, brother? Yo. Welcome to the show. What's going on, guys? How y'all doing? Uh, we're blessed. Right on. Good to hear. Uh, yeah, so, you know, offensively, I think you guys got it covered. You know, probably uh, Colton Miller, Miller or uh, Darren Waller would be pretty big. Uh, defensively, though, you know, I'm going with Trayvon Merrick, man. Ooh, okay. um, I think the guy held it down really solid last year. Uh, really good rookie year. Didn't let a lot of big plays happen. And, um, you know, just hearing him this year, he sounds like he's ready to take the next step, you know? Yeah. I agree. Hey, Elliot, great call, my man. And look, Trayvon Merrick is the guy that I got to sit with yesterday to start off the show at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and that was one of my biggest takeaways. He absolutely sounded like he was taking that next step. He was playing – he played all those defensive snaps. I mean, just about every single defensive snap for the Raiders last year as a rookie. As a rookie. I know he was a second-round draft pick, but even then, you probably don't think you're going to go and play as many snaps as he did, and he did. And he did really a damn good job. Could he have come up with a couple more interceptions? Sure. Could he have probably made a couple extra plays? Sure. But for a rookie, a second-round pick, I think he did a really good job. And, and you're right. That's a good one. And, you know, that might make me re – you might have made me change my mind, Elliot. You really might have, man. And I'm not mad at that. I have no problem – 
I have no problem <laughs> uh, changing my mind. No, we won't. We won't play Darren Waller just right now. We'll get to him at some point, Demond. I'm not. I'm not going to stress you out like that because I know we have uh, Ed Grady from ESPN Las Vegas and their RJ coming up in a matter of minutes. Uh, do we have? Do you have any more calls to get to? I didn't. Uh, no, but we do have a couple of texts. Go for it. All right, second time Abram, according to Raiders Link, was scheduled to speak and didn't, and also from the same texter, Raiders just signed tight end from Bears, Jasper Horstead. Yeah. 4540-64240. Right. Um, yeah, and he's the 90th man on the roster. Uh, I heard uh, Harry Ruiz talk about that while he was filling in for JT the Brick. Field Yates from ESPN, he, he, uh, he released that earlier, put that out on Twitter. And, look, he has the guy has 10 – 10 uh, catches in his career. He's played in like eight games. I don't expect him to, uh, even though he might be an athletic dude, I don't expect him to all of a sudden come in and replace Waller if that's, if that's what the thoughts are. I mean, he's a tight end. He's going to go out there and compete. We know that Josh McDaniels likes multiple tight ends. Not saying he's going to be a guy that's just going to be a camp body. He might be a practice squad guy. The one thing I know about the Raiders and what we've heard from Josh McDaniels is that they're going to they're gonna try to attempt to make – their uh, camp as competitive as possible. They're going to continue to try to build up the roster as much as possible. And so if right now that's what the case is, bring in another tight end, let him go out there and get some burn, so be it. Maybe he, maybe he does find a spot on the roster. Who knows? But, yeah, that's, that was the news uh, earlier dropped from Field Yates. And, uh, again, go ahead and announce his name one more time, Damon. Jesper Horstead. Yeah, Jesper. He, like I said, 10 career catches. Uh, I think he had seven. I think he played in seven games in 2019 and maybe played in one game last season. I'm not too sure. I was checking out the stats earlier, but I didn't, I didn't really pay a whole... Both catches last season, touchdowns. Oh, well, there you go. He's effective. He's effective. Okay, he played in six <laughs> games in 2019, seven games, excuse me, in 2021. So he's played in 13 total games, has 10 total catches, three total touchdowns. So uh, there you go. That's right, two for two, scoring touchdowns. So the, you, you could take that. All day, uh, every day. So there you go. But again, I just think he's a guy that'll go in there and, and compete. And if he, if there's a spot on the on the roster for him, great. If not, well, that's okay too. Matter of fact, we just got the release from the Raiders as well. Uh, let's see. He played at Princeton. He set career program records with 196 catches and 28 touchdowns. As a senior in 2018, he earned first team All Ivy League honors after catching 72 passes for 1,047 yards and. So sounds like he's got a little wiggle. Sounds like he's got a little something, something to him. But again, you got to go out there and earn it. You got to go out there and earn your spot. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. But he is the 90th man on the roster. So uh, if they go in out and make any moves for anyone else, then obviously they'll have to release somebody. So uh, there's the latest and the greatest when it comes to all things silver and black. Go ahead and hit me with one more text before we take a break. Ooh, oh. Just came in. <laughs> Something you just said that had me thinking. Obviously, McDaniels changed his offense in a sense of terminology. Could it be said that, in a way, McDaniels had to relearn his offensive terminology-wise? Or is it too early? Or is it – oh, my God, man, this, this is a lot of verbiage. He's just like McDaniels with his playbook. <laughs> or is it that easy to take a complicated offense and just change names and remember what verbiage you change the plays to? Sorry, I know it had nothing to do with the convo, LOL. No, no, you know, and I think if I'm understanding that text correctly, I think I do understand what you mean. And, yeah, I, I, he, he's probably changed some of the terminology. He knows the concepts, right? But at the same time, he's also trying to teach as much as possible to these guys, uh, and he's trying to break it down. And one thing that he's, he's said a few times in his media sessions is not only does he tell them um, you know, what to do, but he's telling them why he wants it done the way he wants it done. You know, so uh, that takes a little bit longer to under to explain. I think that maybe some of his terminology is a little bit 
shorter. Maybe he shortened some things up so he can get it more in and these guys could understand it. But I think it also helps having guys that are somewhat familiar with what Josh McDaniels likes to do, you know, like a, a Jacob, a Jacob Janssen, uh, the fullback, you know, like a Brandon Bolden, the running back, you know, multiple guys. Chandler Jones obviously defensively has been in the New England system, uh, but he's a defensive guy. So, I mean, I think that there's – it helps to have some veterans. Jarrett Stidham, I th- I, again, I, I keep going back to Stidham. I don't think he's going to probably ever see a down on the field for the Raiders, but I think he's going to be a major help. I really do. And I know that, that what a player is not – trying to be there just so he can teach everybody what's going on around him. But I think that he's going to help uh, this team in a, in a pretty big way. And I think that's the reason why they went out and traded for him. They didn't pick him up as a free agent. They traded for him uh, because he does know the terminology. But, you know, we'll, we'll get Ed Graney's thoughts. We'll pick his brain next. He's from the Las Vegas Review Journal, also our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. He was out there at Mandatory Minicamp today, and we'll talk to him next. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Earlier today, we were at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Raiders HQ for mandatory minicamp day one. And one of my compadres that was out there with me is my guy, Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas. Also, the Las Vegas Review Journal does a fantastic job with both. And, Ed, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I appreciate you. I was so happy and proud of myself. I got my binoculars out today. I was all fancy. They cost $20. I'm going to get my money worth. And then I turned around and left them there at the facility. No, you did. Do I need to find them? Do I need to find them for you? Someone's already found them for you. Adam Hill said he's going to bring. I left my whole backpack, and they were in there. So Adam Hill said oh. he's going to bring it after he leaves there. But yeah, can you believe oh. it? I, what not, I'm what? worried about. I'm worried about you too. The binoculars <laughs> is one thing. The entire backpack's a completely other deal. I know we've been there, done that before, haven't we? <laughs> what have you got? Heat stroke? I, I was glad that I don't need to go to the gym today because I sweated off enough. For, uh, standing out in the heat you must have had a little heat stroke yeah it must have been something man something was going on with me i didn't have my right mind but i did binoculars. i was checking out field three the farthest field yeah. away from us i know you had your binoculars out at times as well uh what was one of your biggest takeaways from today if, if there was anything that really stood out to you not really i mean you know they're still not hitting um so it's, it's just so hard to tell when they're just running drills and what they're doing. I, I think it was good for them. Uh, Josh McDaniel said everyone was there. Not everyone was in uniform. Uh, Josh Jacobs and others uh, are obviously fighting some stuff, or maybe they're just holding them out. But I think it's really important on mandatories that you have 100% attendance. They had great attendance in OTAs. Uh, we know a few players like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller are, you know, at least in negotiations or trying to get contract extensions. So you always kind of keep an eye on those guys when it comes to mandatory stuff. But everyone was here, and I think at this point, that's the best they could hope for, man. I mean, obviously, I think those guys want extensions, but for now, they're being professionals and acting like professionals and showing up and going to let their agents handle that stuff. Right. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, Derek Carr, I was still at the media session when Derek Carr spoke to us. Uh, How relaxed did he look to you? Really relaxed. And and I think, um, I'm not sure who asked the question, but uh, it might have been Vic Tafer from The Athletic. But at the end of the day, in the last 12 months, it's been about his contract. It's been about rugs. It's been about Gruden. I mean, it's been all, the entire 12 months of this organization and all it's gone through. He's the quarterback. He's always the one you ask, right? He's the one we see, speak to at least once a week. And he gets questions asked of all kinds of stuff. So 
I thought he looked really relaxed for the first time in a long time. He's got his contract. Um, he's moving forward. He's trying to learn Josh McDaniel's offense. And I thought it's the best I've seen him look in front of the media in a long time. He didn't look troubled at all. And, you know, that's a lot to be said given what's happened the last 12 months with the organization. I agree. And, you know, it's funny. I don't talk about, I don't bring to the show Colin Kaepernick every day, but Adam Hill asked him about Cap. Paul Gutierrez, he, he backed it up and asked him again about Cap. I thought his answer about Cap and if he were to be brought into the organization, I thought he had a pretty good answer where he was like, yeah, that's cool. Like, pretty much he was welcoming it if they decided to go in that direction. Yeah, and I think it just showed you the confidence he has in himself, right? I mean, everyone said, you know, well, and, and look, there's a reason he didn't talk to us the day after they brought in Cap. I mean, that was just going to be, you know, 20 questions. Once again, of him having to answer questions, he probably didn't want to have to answer for like 20 or 30 minutes. But this was just a few questions. I thought he's very professional about it. He's very classy about it. I think he's very confident and secure in his position, which, you know, I think the contract does a little of that, even though yeah. there's that, you know, we keep talking about that one year out. It is a long contract. I think he's very confident he's going to be here for a while. So, you know, I, I wasn't surprised what he said about Kaepernick. They do have a relationship dating back to their college days, playing in the WAC together, um, calling it Reno and, and Derek at Fresno State. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't look at it as a fake answer. I looked at it as genuine, and it just goes to show not only that, you know, he probably does like Kaepernick uh, as a guy. Uh, I think more so what I got from that was the confidence Derek Carr has in himself and his ability and his position as the starter on the team. Yeah, that's exactly what I took away from it. He looked very confident. Like you said, it was not a fake and forced answer. It was just, hey, this no, is what it is. No. And on top of that, he actually answered where nobody else did. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> nobody else said a word about Cap when asked about him. I know it was fresh then, but uh, he did go into a couple uh, di different answers about him. So uh, there's that. Again, we're talking with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review Journal here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And, and one thing I've been talking about now for a, a, a while, is the presence of Jarrett Stidham. And I didn't get to ask Derek today about it, uh, but I feel like he and Jarrett Stidham are, are getting close, and Jarrett Stidham is helping him learn this Josh McDaniels uh, offense. And, and when I was paying attention to what they were doing when I was trying to look through the binoculars and check them out between sessions, I saw Stidham talking to Carr a lot. It looked like he was kind of telling him the expectations of certain plays. Do you get that sense that Stidham is there to really help learn this offense for the, these guys? I think it's probably the primary reason he was brought in. Um, he knows the offense well. And then, again, you know, you don't want anything to happen there, but let's say something did, then you can go to a guy who knows the offense and isn't going to be surprised by anything. But, yeah, I think you bring him in to, you know, help Derek Long. Uh, Stidham's got a good arm, man. I was like, the yeah. binocular showed me, the binocular showed me he had a good arm. Uh, <laughs> I think that was him throwing. I'm not, I also thought I saw Josh Jacobs in a t-shirt and pants, and I think it was the kid who was bringing water to everybody. So I, I, I think my binoculars might have been off a little today. But, um, <laughs> no, I do, yeah, I think he hit it on the head. I mean, I think, look, if you're going to bring a guy in, right, as a backup, then why not bring a guy in who knows a new offense that everyone's trying to learn and, you know, who, who's played in it before, other than bringing a guy in, who, you know, doesn't know anything and has to learn on the way with everyone else. So I think that's a great point you make. I mean, I think that, you know, that's one thing he can help Derek with on a daily basis and really get him up to speed, and probably in the film room as well. They're watching, you know, they're watching, Josh McDaniel said that, they're watching more film now at the OTAs um, than last week, so they're, they're really kind of focusing on film now. Um, and Stidham can sit in a room with him and bring him through things with Derek Carr. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think that's probably one of the reasons they, they brought him in. Alex Leatherwood continues to take snaps at the right tackle position, and Ed, I don't think it's a coincidence. You know, the, the two times no. that we're there at OTAs, he's there at right tackle. Today, mandatory minicamp, right tackle. It looks like this regime is going to give him every opportunity to, to secure that spot. 
I think he's got. I think that he's got the first shot. I think you're right. We've only seen him there. Um, and you know, look. I mean, and Josh McDaniel said it. I think you've said it. We said it. Look, he wasn't good last year. The the the, the numbers proved it out. The pro football focus and the numbers proved it out. But at the end of the day, not any position like like offensive line improves in the first or the second year. So maybe we're you know I don't know if we should give him the benefit of the doubt, but maybe we should at this point and say, look, the guy had a bad year, but this is his second season. Maybe these coaches see something in him that the others didn't. They obviously are going to start him at right tackle to give a look when the games start, when the preseason starts. That's kind of where he's been the whole time here at OTAs and now minicamp. So maybe we give the kid the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, this is a position where you see great movement. Colton Miller said it last week as well. Between the first and second year is when you see offensive linemen improve the most. So, you know, maybe he surprises us all. I mean, I, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised given what everyone says about that, that kind of maturity and that development you see over a couple of seasons. Yeah, Ed, when you talk to some of these players, I've noticed it from Darren Waller that he's talking about watching Gronk go wild, and Derek Carr just seems so happy to have Devontae Adams yesterday at media day. He's just hugging him, just seeing him in the Raider uniform. Can you tell that these players with this new offense, how excited they are and that they think this is going to be one of the top offenses in the league? Yeah, I had to pause when he said Gronk goes wild because I'm like, are we talking football here? <laughs> right. Is he, down, is he down at the Las Vegas <laughs> pool again uh, having, having, a, having a party? Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I think they're all excited. It's really funny we were talking about this because Waller and Renfro want contract extensions, right? And I thought Adam asked Waller a really good question. Are there enough balls to go around? And you can look at that two ways. That there's, you know, they're going to have a lot of dynamic playmakers and they're all going to have great seasons, but there's every chance they could be just as good and some of those numbers can come back a little, right? Because there's mm-hmm. more people to deal with now in terms of Devontae and others that Darren, that Derek can throw to. So it is interesting that you have two guys wanting contract extensions playing in an offense now where they could really be good, but their numbers could get because there's so many other options. Um, I don't think they're worried about that now. Darren had a good, good, uh, good, um, you know, answer to that about how you need chemistry and be unselfish. You have to do what's best for the team. He said it's not like Madden 2K where you can just line everyone up and do whatever you want mm-hmm. on the video game console. But, yeah, I mean, I, that's a good point. I, I mean, I think they're excited about the offense. I think they think the ball's going to be spread around, um, whether it's Hunter and Darren. I think Darren's going to do a lot of damage from the slot as well, as Gronk has done over the years. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think they're excited about the offense, and I think they'll worry about the numbers, um, you know, later on. You know, Ed, we had our guy, uh, Mailman Raider, he texted in and asked, outside of Derek Carr, if there was one guy that was not there, you know, that, that one could be not there at mandatory minicamp or just not there during the regular season, who would be probably the most important or the biggest loss to the team outside of Derek Carr, who would you think it would be? Oh, what a great question. Colton Miller? That's what he said. That was his response was Colton Miller. I said um, Darren Waller. I just okay. I mean I, I, I respect the offensive line and Colton Miller and Alex Leatherwood and all those guys, so I think that you could ask you can answer with any of those guys for obvious reasons, but I just think that Darren Waller, as long as this three headed monster goes out there and competes this year, they have a chance to be special. And, and I know that they could do it without Waller. They could go Renfro and, and Adams and be really good, but I just think that if you give this three headed monster one year of an opportunity, they could be something special. Oh, yeah. I mean, much better with him than without him. Right. Um, and like I said, I think through the slot, he's going to get a lot of action. I mean, he talked about Gronk, you know, whether it's through the, you know, through the seam, over the top, you know, just catching, catching little dump-offs through the slot and running through people. I mean, look, I'm not saying he's Rob Gronkowski, who's a Hall of Famer, but I do think he's really, really good. And I do think that the way Josh McDaniels has used his tight ends in New England, um, he could have a monster year. And then the contract will take care of itself. You know, he had some injuries last year. He's going to be 30. Yeah. He has to prove he can stay healthy. He had some knees and ankles last year, went on the COVID list. 
But if he stays healthy and has the year that I think everyone's expecting, you know what, then the contract's going to take care of itself and he'll be fine and he'll get paid. He's grossly underpaid at this point. Um, and the top, you know, 15th of tight ends, which is just a joke. Right. Um, but, you know, people know that. He'll get paid. I mean, I don't know. He'll get paid somewhere. But, you know, yeah, yeah. When you're 30, you got to prove yourself to be 30 in September, uh, as much as he's done, as good as he's been. Um, but I'm with you. You can make Waller. The reason, you know, obviously my mind went right to the left tackle because they have to protect Carr. Right. Um, and if he was out, uh, I mean, the offensive line has good enough question marks. They don't need that guy going down. Um, so I can see your point on Waller as well because if those guys, you know, and the other thing is, you know, what we didn't talk about, we talked about, you know, they asked Carr today and they asked Waller. Waller with Devontae Adams isn't going to see as many double teams. Right. And, you know, th- that's going to be great for Waller, um, especially out of the slot. And, I mean, Hunter Renfro, we've seen what they've done with slot receivers in New England. So it has a chance to be dynamic. Um, and it, just, it goes back to every time we talk, it just goes back to can you protect the quarterback because he's going to need time. And if he has time, then this offense, I think, has a chance to be really special. We haven't even asked to talk about the uh, running backs, which Darren Waller talked about today. You know, when they go zone on those guys to try to slow those guys down, you could have a healthy dose of running backs like they did in New England, you know, get productive yards. All right, Ed, you keep mentioning, like, you can't really tell because it's just minicamp and the guys are out there in just, you know, T-shirt and shorts. So what's going to be that difference? What are you, tr- you the trained guy, you've been doing this for a while. What's that difference between the jump in minicamp and training camp and what you're looking for and seeing? I just want to see how you know physical it gets. I want to, you know you don't want to get guys hurt, but you just you just can't tell much right now. And you know mm-hmm. Hugh's out here with me every day, and you, you just can't tell much. Not only can you not see very much, you can't tell much. And when they do do things that you're interested in, he I think he purposely puts up a line of players in front of us, so all our binoculars are showing is the backs of guys and backs of guys' heads. So I want you know hopefully they'll give us a little more room in training camp to watch. Um, not holding my breath. But I just want to see how physical things get, and, you know, that offensive line. I want to see Chandler Jones um, uh, and, and Max Crosby and Max lined up on the right side today a lot, which was interesting. Um, so, yeah, I just want to see how physical it gets. And without, you know, I, they want to be physical, but, you know, NFL teams have really cut back on that because of the injuries and the money they pay these guys. I mean, it's not like it used to be where two days and they're killing each other. But I do want to see them getting pads. Well, I'll say this, uh, and Derek Carr gave us this, so I'm not breaking any news, but uh, Chandler Jones intercepted a, a Derek Carr yeah. screen pass. I thought that was pretty big. That was pretty cool, yeah. And he uh, he didn't uh, – well, I mean, like I said, Derek was as calm and as, you know, joking and, right. as, 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 you know, uh, you know kickback as he's been in a long time. So I just think he really loves that the pressure of all the outside stuff is now off his shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think he hopes moving forward it stays that way. It can just be about football. That's all he'll need to answer questions from us about. And if it stays that way and it's just about football, I think he's in line for a really good year. Right. I agree 100%. Before I let you go, Ed, last question. Uh, Jonathan Abram, he was the guy that was supposed to talk to yeah. the media today and apparently <laughs> did, and that's the second time. Uh, what, what are your expectations for 24, man? What do you think that he's going to – how do you think he's going to be used in this uh, Patrick Graham-led defense? Well, that's, you know, and that, that's what I'm interested in, t- in talking about. And, you know, here's the thing I'm interested in. And it's, you know, it's Josh Jacobs as well as Clay Furrell as well. You know, guys who don't have their options picked up are playing for their future. So usually they'll come in and play hard. Um, but I'm really interested in, interested in seeing how those three guys play and whether, you know, whether John has the same uh, uh, responsibilities he had last year or maybe they bring him back. I know they brought him back a little in OTAs and actually had him covering some people, which, you know, that's not, that hasn't been John's strength. But, uh, if, you, if he doesn't talk to us tomorrow, I'm putting, I'm putting Adam Hill up there to answer questions because this is the <laughs> t- second time now we're supposed to talk to Jonathan Abram and we haven't talked to him. So I just kind of want to see 
you know, how these fifth-year option guys who weren't picked up respond. And if they're professional, they're going to respond, you know, with their best seasons because they're either playing for a contract here or they're playing for a contract elsewhere. Right, exactly, 100%. Oh, well, great stuff as always, Ed. I know you'll be at a mandatory minicamp tomorrow. What do you got coming out on the RJ? Uh, writing about Darren Waller today for tomorrow, so that'll be cool. Uh, writing about him and Gronk, and Gronk goes wild. So uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, I always like I always like those stories. There you go. Have fun with that. We'll see you tomorrow right. at a minicamp. I'll see you tomorrow at minicamp. See you All soon. right, brother. There he goes. Ed Granny from our sister station ESPN Las Vegas does a fantastic job on the press box along with Tyler Bischoff and, of course, uh, with the RJ, the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Fantastic writer. Very blessed to be able to have him as a part of the show each and every week. Again, that's Ed Graney on Twitter, at Ed Graney. Thank you so much for his time. 2.47 is the time. We'll come back, close out our number one. We'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation. Thoughts on what you heard from Ed? Thoughts on the most important guy outside of Derek Carr if they're not available for mm. – for the Raiders this season and also not just this season, but even mandatory minicamp and training camp and all that, who's going to be the biggest impact? That was Mailman Raiders' question. Go ahead and hit us up and respond to it. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bill Romanowski, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Just got a couple minutes left in this hour. We'll kick off hour number two of Unnecessary Roughness. Remember, we go three hours long, three hours strong, 2 to 5 p.m. from here on out. Kicking off hour number two, we'll have John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle. Got a lot of questions to ask him. Start with Deshaun Watson. But also, I want to make sure I ask him, and do not let me forget, because he is, obviously, he's there in Houston, but... He's a big fan of Lester Hayes. Obviously, he's been around the game for a long time. Uh, he's a big fan of, of Mike Haynes. Those are both two Texas guys originally. I want to ask him about the duo because they are one of the best duos as far as cornerbacks go in the history of the NFL. I want to make sure I ask him, and that might be the first question. Before I get into Deshaun Watson, I might get to Deshaun Watson last because I know he's going to be worn out talking about Watson. So I'm going to probably start off with that, but – uh, I just I know he has a lot of respect for Lester Hayes for sure, uh, but I know that uh, you know Mike Haynes and and Lester Hayes were two uh, phenomenal defensive backs that played at the highest level, both for the silver and black. Of course, Mike Haynes was a Patriot as well, but won a Super Bowl ring with the silver and black. And you'll hear that conversation I had with Mike Haynes at four o'clock here on Unnecessary Roughness. Now, Demond, I did want to ask you this because you are you are my movie guy. You are my go-to guy when it comes to movies. Later on this evening, we're going to host the Jurassic World, the, the movie premiere. The movie doesn't come out to the 10th. We hooked up a lot of people with tickets, so we uh, look forward to seeing you all there at the movie theater a little bit later on this evening. Uh, the wife, the daughter are all pretty excited, pretty fired up. They were downstairs uh, yesterday, last night, watching Jurassic Park. They're like, we got to watch the original. Of course, I did not take that route. I did not go that route. So me, I'm very hit or miss when it comes to movies. So anyway, when it comes to Jurassic Park, what do I need to know leading into uh, tonight? Okay, so you got the reboot. And then this is like Chris um, Chris Pratt. That's the lead actor's name. Okay. He starts off, um, he is working at the amusement park that they have. And he is a trainer for um, dinosaurs. And he's got a good relationship. He's like, Blue, you're my girl, Blue. You know, he's got his dinosaurs. They're like, hey, this guy is a master trainer of these dinosaurs. Things get out of hand. That's the first movie of this reboot. Wait, so, how do they get out of hand? They get out of hand, like, together? The, no, at the amusement park, you know, like, uh, they're running around. And then, you know, obviously a bigger, the biggest of dinosaurs gets released. But him and his crew of dinosaurs, they got things under wrap. And, you know, that's how the first movie wraps up. 
Sorry for the spoiler alert if you were going to go back and watch all these movies today before. No, I definitely wasn't. Exactly. And then the second one. There's more than one? Yeah, for the, in this reboot, this is the third. This is the trilogy of oh, this new reboot. Okay. So then the second one, you got a little bit of ah man, someone rich. I want all the dinosaurs. Okay. So you always got to worry about rich people. Rich people are always the problem in these movies, aren't they? Always. They, they no, just but can't leave well enough alone. No. Okay. Let me ask you this, because then I don't. In this case, I don't know what movie they were watching last night. Which one is the one where they were in? Like all the dinosaurs were in some kind of garage or some kind of like tanker, not tanker, but. They were, I don't know, man, it was weird, and then these two were, were locked up, and this one dinosaur slammed his head into the wall, and the guy was like, we're getting out of here, or something. Do you what remember? Did the, what did the movie quality look like? Did it look like it was modern? I mean, yeah, it looked good. Okay, because then you got to, and then in this third one, they're bringing back people from the original, like Jeff Goldblum. Okay. He's also going to be coming back, you know, and he was the star. Which one the- had a little girl in it? It had a little girl that was watching, it was like their grandfather was involved in something. Ooh, you're really testing my Jurassic Park now. <laughs> That's not. It's not that strong. <laughs> Obviously, because I don't. I have no idea. I was watching it for a little while, and then I was like, "All right, I'm going to bed." That's all. I did. I had. I had. Well, it sounds no... like you're really going to be. You're going to be primed for some grade A. I have no idea. I have. I'm not a dinosaur guy. I'm not. I'm not. You know, Maybe Jurassic Park. Bit. I've never ever gone out of my way to watch Jurassic Park. Never in my life. Never. I just don't. I'm just. That's just not my bag. But I'm going to watch. Accomplishment is the CGI for them to have the dinosaurs look so real. Uh, I mean, on the screen, I mean, the fact that movie making has come to this point. Little yeah, Sarah, what, what movie was it that you were watching last night? <laughs> Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? Okay, that's the second one where the that's rich the guy gets one? involved. Didn't, okay. really, didn't like that as much as I liked that first one where he's just at the, where they're at like a, an amusement park for the dinosaurs. Gotcha. See, there you go. So, yeah, Little Sarah and the, and the wife were watching part two, apparently, last night. So I guess we'll see part three tonight. I'll give you my full review. No, I won't. DeMond will give you a full review tomorrow as the movie drops on the 10th, but we won't give any spoilers because that's not how we roll. I just know that there's dinosaurs in the movie and there's people in the movie, and we'll see it tonight. 2.57 is the time. We'll come back, kick off hour number two of the show. John McClain will join us. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.